Welcome, everybody, to Broadcast Team Alpha. We're doing it again tonight with one of our favorite returning guests. We're bringing you cutting-edge conversation, and we're exploring the quantum possibilities. Thanks for being here, guys. I see you already warmed up in the chat room talking about Mary. It's so great to see you here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the lively conversation. And I want to invite you, I want to invite you to join our membership group. Our membership group is right here on YouTube, and it's kind of like going backstage. There are videos and content and uh, series and all kinds of really interesting things that you might be interested in. In addition to the content that we put back there that's only for members, we have gatherings. We have a monthly gathering, and then we also have guests, really fun guests like Jenny G, maybe Kim Lolo, um, a naturopathic doctor, Dr. Chanel, right? We have really cool people come and and it's exclusive. It's just for you. So Mac's going to put the link in the chat. Also want to invite you to our mastermind mastermind connection on Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern time. We get together and we focus and we visualize and we feel the feelings of the changes that we want to see in the world. It's always for benevolent and loving intentions and it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm not going to take any time away from Mary. So, Augie, please tell us about our returning friend, Mary. Uh, yes, I will. This is going to be fun because we have a Mary Joyce with us returning to Broadcast Team Alpha. And we have a real researcher here, a digger, that has gotten behind the curtain and found many of the answers that we are looking for. And not just the answers, she also got pictures of many of these things. And uh, that is what we're really looking for. And that is what we're going to talk more about uh, in one of our books. There's some phenomenal information on pictures. And, uh, and for those of you that like to surf the uh, internet while you're listening to the show, I'm going to give you her... Um, her website, and uh, that is Sky Ships Over Cashiers dot com. Sky Ships Over Cashiers dot com. And uh, she writes articles there, and she's got pictures there, and really interesting stuff. And I really highly recommend you to go check that out because uh, you're probably going to end up like I was. I got on there and the first time I went there, I had to spend a couple of hours going through. I couldn't get off of it because there was so much right up my alley that I really wanted to know about. And uh, I think she's got about five books or so written now. And the last one is uh, Spy in the Sky. And there's some really interesting stuff uncovered. And there's a lot of pictures. Some of them are ships. And, uh, yeah, you, you, you got to go see that. And uh, right now I've talked enough, so I want to welcome Mary Joyce to the show. Hi, it's good to welcome, see both Mary. Thank you. It's good to see both of you again. And hear you both again. So Thank you. <laughs> you, uh, mentioned my, you mentioned my latest book, and I'll real quickly touch on a couple things, because it's one of my books that I really wish everybody who's interested in uh, the unordinary would would take time to read. It's truly a picture book for adults. There's only three pages that don't have pictures, and almost all of them are full color. And I have evidence that humans and ETs are on Mars now. I've got um, incredible pictures beneath the ocean, uh, which to me supports the idea that there really was the ancient land of Lemuria, because there are structures all the way from Alaska down to Baja. And um, mm. uh, then I have found ancient uh, cities emerging from the quickly melting ice down in Antarctica. Um, and they're the oldest in the world, because that continent's been covered with ice for 34 million years. So these ancient cities coming up are indeed the oldest in the world. And people think the the Great Pyramid's old, uh, but it's it's less than 5,000 years, and this is 34 million. So those are the kind of things that are in the book. It's truly a picture book for adults, and I give the coordinates so people can go and use Google Earth and find many of these things for themselves so you know I'm not playing Photoshop games. We would uh, never think that of you. 
<laughs> Never. <laughs> You're very kind, but it's done everywhere. I wish it weren't, but um, uh, I, I just had to throw it in there. Yeah. Oh, I don't know where to start here, but, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit before, and there is this one incident that just totally blew my mind when you talked about it. You got stuck in an elevator with an extraterrestrial. Tell well, us more about that. What's amazing is that this actually happened back in 2010. And I've never chosen to put it on the website or even to talk about it because I didn't have any proof of what happened. And then I was, you guys would understand this, I was awakened with a really strong ner er, nudge uh, that I needed to put this story on the website. And so I, I did. And basically, uh, in 2010, Evelyn Gordon, who's kind of the um, unseen person here at the website, she and I spoke at the International UFO Congress in Laughlin, Nevada. And it was a week-long event and um, I don't know how many attended during the whole week, but we had nearly a thousand people in the audience when we did our presentation. And this is a big hotel. It's called the Aquarius. And um, so one day at the conference, we are crammed in a hotel elevator with a bunch of strangers and one very strange little man who seemed to be cowering in the back corner. And he was no more than four feet tall, very thin. His clothing would go unnoticed in any crowd. Uh, he may have been wearing beige pants and a slightly darker shirt with big pattern, maybe a plaid, uh, but he avoided eye contact. But very briefly, he looked up and looked right at Evelyn just for a second, and she saw his face. And this boy-sized boy man had a very odd old face, and the uh, all around his eyes, it was swollen and very dark. And then he quickly glanced away from her. But what really cinched it for us was he didn't walk like regular people. He glided. He very softly, quietly glided out of that um, uh, elevator into the hallway. And then he immediately disappeared around the, the, uh, the corner. He absolutely did not move like a human being. Now, this is the main reason I decided that there is some credibility to this story. Um, there is a man, uh, he's retired, Lieutenant uh, uh, Donald uh, Ware, and uh, he's been, he's the one that invited us to speak at the conference. And he, uh, we've decided to tell him what we thought and what we had experienced. And he said that sometimes ETs come to the major UF conferences in disguise. And he was not at all surprised that we may have been riding in the elevator with uh, an ET. And so with that kind of uh, statement from a very credible man, not only with the military, but he was on the uh, uh, UFO Congress Board of Directors for uh, 18 years. He was MUFON's Eastern Regional Director uh, for a bunch of years. And um, so with his statement, I felt there was some credibility to what we had experienced. Wow. 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 Did you, did anything feel different in the elevator besides the appearance of it? Did you, did you have any sensations or? There were so, we were so crammed in there. There were so many people. Ah. And it was back in that corner. There were so many people giving off energy that um, we wouldn't have been able to pick up the kind of thing you're talking about. If we'd been in there alone oh. with him, I'm sure we would have felt something because he was strange. Interesting. Do you know about the tall whites um, with um, uh, Charles Hall? Um, it, because this really kind of ties in with uh, ETs in disguise. He was a, a station on Nellis Air Force Base a long time ago. And he was um, a weatherman way out in the boonies of of. Uh, the Nellis Air Base, and nobody else would stick with that job because there is an underground facility there for tall white ETs. The government is working with them, so <clears throat> it's not a secret type thing. And um, one of his interesting stories was that because he he didn't he he was able to stay calm, and he didn't get frightened when he ran into the tall whites, and so eventually. 
you know, they became somewhat comfortable with each other. And the female um, tall white ETs would love to look at his Sears Roebuck catalog. And they would just go through it looking for clothes and fashion. And then the military actually would buy the things that they wanted. And why did they want it? Because they liked to dress up and go into uh, the casinos, uh, or like in Vegas or some of the other ones, and see if they could blend in with everybody else and go unnoticed. It was, uh, I guess, a very entertaining thing for them to do. So the idea of ETs trying to uh, disguise themselves is um, not unique to our elevator experience. That's so funny. That's so funny. It's all white would kind of stand out a little bit because they are so pasty white in their uh, skin color. And there's there's always makeup. Right. Yeah, there you go. There's always makeup. And also, if you go to a place like Vegas, there's so many show people. There's so many people in acts that, you know, people get kind of... uh, um, they don't get upset if they see something really strange. They just figure they're in Vegas and it must be right. a show person. So they were right. able apparently to get away with it. There well, was when I I did a travel assignment as a nurse in uh, UCSD San Diego, and there was this one nurse, Mary. She was un unusually unearthly perfect. I mean, just unusually, the symmetry, the the color of her skin, the way she was very tall, the way she held herself. And I was standing across the room looking at her for a minute, and I was thinking, I wonder if she's an E.T. And she locked eyes with me, Mary, and I was like, oh, she read your thought. Maybe huh? she is. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Like, maybe wow. she is. Wow, Amazing. wow, wow. Well, that's a pretty good story. Yeah. And that was before... That was before they had, re- I assume, before they had developed uh, these really, really um, human-like robots and the artificial intelligence. It was. It was. It absolutely right. was. Yeah. 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 By the way, this is taking a direction we probably didn't even think about, but I've got one more story about ETs blending in okay. with people. Cool. And there is a man, um, he died, oh, maybe two years ago at the most, and he worked at NASA. His name was Bill Tompkins. And he worked at the highest level of NASA. He worked directly for like Von Braun. And in his um, uh, book, he talks about uh, that there were these beautiful secretaries that worked at NASA. But, and they obviously looked human, acted human, but they were actually ETs. He didn't realize it right away. But these these ET women, these beautiful ET women were feeding the NASA engineers answers and and giving them directions on how to develop uh things and if you think about it and i think we're wow. all old enough to remember that at least early days of the space program uh it developed really really quickly and so perhaps it was because they were getting this outside help so there's so you- three accounts three accounts of et's blending in with people yeah yeah but and you know it's not it's not um whispered behind the scenes anymore i mean many people are thinking that the benevolent ets are there to help us or actually helping us now behind the scenes and do you have any thoughts on that it's a really murky subject because just like with humans we have the good the bad and the ugly and that is true with ets also there's some ets i don't want anything to do with ever but there are those that um, they actually come in different uh, levels of involvement with humankind. Some of them just simply want to save the planet. Uh, some are very benevolent and really do want to help us. Um, and then we have those that uh, have only the worst of intentions for us. So we mm-hmm. have to really, you're, you're really good about talking about your feelings and listening to your gut. Um, we have to pay attention to that. So if you come face to face with an ET, you you pay attention to your gut feeling. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. I'm just but checking. I remember I remember also that Werner von Braun, he had admitted that they had extraterrestrial help. 
Uh, he said that the Nazis were helped by ETs from Al, Al better. I'm not going to be able to say it right. Aldebaran, Aldebaran. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, he, he did admit to that. But I have to wonder, why were they helping the Nazis? Yeah. Yeah, well, what was that about? Another thing he said, another thing he's, uh, that I learned through him and through one of the astronauts is that um, back in 1952, there was a, a fleet of uh, UFOs that went over the White House, and it created a very big stir. It made the newspapers big time. Um, but according to him and others, those were really ships that uh, were created by the Nazis. So, or indirectly by those from Aldebaran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I understand also from what I have found is that right after that incident in Washington, there was a meeting, a high-level meeting between the American government and the Nazis at Base 211 at Antarctica, where basically the Americans were told, you leave us alone and we will leave you alone. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk behind the scenes, for sure. So uh, in the chat room, Mary, Oric Vibe asked, um, is it possible that the ETs are also um, in the inner Earth as well? Wait, are they also inner Earth beings? Familiar with that? I, I am, and they could be two totally separate things. I do not think that all the ETs come from the interior of the planet though i think there are those that live there um you know people want everything in a nice neat little box but we have ETs from out there and down there and around us here and it's it's not always easy to sort it out um um, let's see if i can get this straight um oh i'm gonna go blank on admiral bird admiral bird he wrote two diaries one was a secret one he didn't know if it would ever get out, and I did read that in a long time ago. A long time ago, I did an article on it, um, where he said that the controls of his plane in Antarctica were taken over, and they were flown into the interior of the Earth, and that there is a whole society down there. And the way he described them, they seem to look a lot like we do, and. Uh, yeah. Um, it, it's, it reads like science fiction, but um, the fact that it's his, we can't just, you know, dismiss it easily. We have to consider that indeed it might be true. But it's his secret diary if anybody wants to to find out for themselves. Definitely. Yeah, I've seen that one. Um, one of our um, regular friends in the chat room, Marius, asks, has Mary heard of the Plejaran beings beyond the Pleiadian constellation? Not enough to talk in any sensible way about it. Um, I, I don't know much more than just the, the name and, you know, as a category. Yeah. Sure. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah, they are kind of like the Pleiadians, they also have our best, best interest at heart. That's my understanding, too, but I'm still not qualified to talk about it. Yeah. Have you heard uh, about the the event that is allegedly coming? Just, and I don't know if we're talking about the same thing or not, but one of the recent postings on the website, uh, the title is ETs foresee imminent big event on Earth. And exactly. I, I don't often, um, you know, link people to other people's um, websites, but Linda Moulton Howe is an invest- investigative journalist, and she's been doing it for decades, and she has a yeah. really good reputation. Uh, she's yeah. she's known for her completely thorough research, and she's honest with her revelations, and she's been able to get interviews with insiders who often have top secret information. And uh, I, I can only give you the highlights of this. I do have the link uh, on, and we can tell people at the end how they can find all this stuff in a real simple way. But she has um, a, a video where she's interviewed uh, people who've been in touch with the tall whites. And basically, and this is really simplified, the the tall whites have said 
that there is a big event in our future. Um, and they, it's it's like there's a war of the worlds. There's a war out there, and it's also being played down here on Earth. There's It's essentially good against evil. And um, they, they can, the ETs can interfere, I guess, to some extent to keep the worst from happening. But they do think that there might very well be a, um, a nuclear, pro, you know, explosion of some kind, not big enough to blow up our atmosphere, not big enough to blow up the planet, but big enough to cause a lot of trouble. And they don't, they're not going to totally stop it because we humans have gotten so far off the path that it seems to be their conclusion that we're not going to get better if we don't get a taste of what it might be like if we don't change our ways. And uh, yeah. If if you don't even an idiot can see that the world is really really kind of drifting off into a type of darkness we really don't want to be in. Yeah, absolutely. my goodness, they're fighting in Sudan, and you know why they're fighting? Because two military guys are opposed to each other, so they've got the whole country at war. It would be nice if we could just put them in a room by themselves and let them fight it out instead of dragging everybody else down with them. And, uh, you know, one man like Putin, look what he has done to, to, to one country. I mean, one man should not be able to do all that. And, and, and the impact of these negative people um, is, is, can be quite deadly. Yes. Yeah. That war would have been over a long, long time ago. Was it not for the United States? That's true. They would have been wiped out. Yep. And even now, it, it's it's I don't know. It's a bad situation. Yeah, we're learning. What are the messages that uh, Linda Moulton Howe talked about in this? Uh, uh, she did a video on that, and she talked about the tall whites and what. I forget now, what did she say? There was a message in it. Right. At the very, very end of it. She actually went into a, a, a rather lengthy plea to all of her listeners or followers. And on the in the article that I did, I just chose, I think it was two sentences that I pulled out. I will read those to you because she agonized over even posting this information uh, for three days. And she really wrestled with it. I talked to her on the phone and and, and she really did go back and forth about whether she really should do it or not. But this is the quote that I pulled out of her plea. She said, I hope, I truly hope that my decision to share this particular program tonight is not a mistake. Um, I hope what it does is provoke all of you to want to reach out to a higher force, a higher power that is behind a universe that is 13.8 billion light years in size. And that just gives you a, a, a snippet of uh, where she was going with her plea. And um, it was not an easy decision for her because nobody wants to be responsible for uh, delivering news that could be quite bad. Well. And like I said, at the very end, uh, we can tell people how they can get to this stuff really easily. Don't let me forget to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what we need to do. We need to concentrate on the higher vibrations because uh, a lot of the things that happens here in the physical, it is all created mentally and spiritually in the quantum existence first. And that's what we're doing on the Mastermind on Sunday, Nori and I and uh, the whole, everybody on there. So um, we've been working on peace. Peace will come, but I'm not so sure how it will come. Right. And uh, every, everybody in their own way is trying, not everybody, there are many people in their own way trying to do this. I know that uh, Stephen Greer uh, was encouraging people to go out. I may have it wrong. I, it was either this last Saturday or this coming Saturday where everybody get out gets outside and you know, essentially sends out good vibrations. Um, he's actually praying to the UT, uh, to the ETs uh, for them to to come in and and help us out. Um, at the same time, some of the worst things in the world right now are being done in the name of religion. So um, 
when I when I see some of the things that are being done, it's like you don't even want to tell people that you might have a a, a religious faith because it's been religion's been given such a bad name by people who really are misusing it or misinterpreting yeah. it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm. You had an interesting article on your website also about that extraterrestrials or the tall whites at least they like coming here on vacation more or less oh, just yeah, in, yeah. In this place up in nevada talk about that okay they um now this is out in the uh, nevada area with nellis air force base and they have a very large facility beneath the mountain there and um there are actually tall white tourists that come on a regular basis and this is sort of like a bus stop for them and they will fly in there and um uh, they actually have uh, facilities big enough for their their craft to go into and they will refuel here they will um, repair things if necessary and they stay for at least two weeks and then uh, they have uh, tall whites that are stationed there all the time, and they will take the visiting ETs on tours so that they can uh, see what Earth is like and what humans are like. That's so fun. That's so funny. I love that. Um, well, the the idea of uh, cruising the universe um, is actually kind of uh, demonstrated in the book I mentioned at the very beginning called uh, Spy in the Sky. And there are huge UFOs around the sun that are actually photographed by a NASA SOHO satellite. And that satellite um, takes a photo every 12 minutes of the sun. And many times these large craft will be caught flying near the sun. Um, There was a man in the Netherlands that contacted me way back in 2013. And he was taking NASA photos and he would zoom in on them and he would clean up the interference and the debris. He called it dusty and cleaning. And the amount of detail that you can see in these um, photos that he cleaned up is phenomenal. And one of the ships, uh, we named the Flying Phoenix because it actually had the structure of a wing-shaped phoenix. And to me, it looked like a giant um cruise ship and it's they're huge all of those are bigger than the planet jupiter and so there are cruise ships in my opinion that do come into our part of uh, the universe and the pictures are phenomenal they've never been published anywhere else before and um i was in touch with that man for about three years uh and then it's like he went off off the grid i don't know what happened to him his uh, YouTube channel has never been updated. Uh, I've never been able to track him down again. But after three years, he just went <laughs> out of sight. Wow. And I don't know if he was shut up because he was revealing too much or if he died or if he I don't know what it was, but he was really into what he was doing. Um, so I don't think he would have just abruptly stopped on his own. So either death or intimidation has, in my opinion, stopped him. But we have his pictures, and they're in the book, and I just we know they do that. Absolutely, pardon me. We know they do that, so that either one of those could have happened. Either one, and I've not been able to figure it out one way or the other. Yeah. By the way, go ahead. Yeah, and then there is this picture of this perfectly round sphere next to the sun. Also a picture taken by the SOHO satellite where you see a tornado of energy that was sucked up from the sun into that huge sphere next to the sun. And I think that sphere is about one quarter of the size of the sun. That's a diameter of 215,000 miles. So is that a ship or what if, What can yeah. we imagine? I don't know if we're talking about the same thing or not, but it was on the internet and it was a SOHO satellite photo and it showed this round sphere, but it had what I call an umbilical cord that connected it to the sun and it stayed there for, I think it was 80 hours. And yeah. my own inclination, of course, there's no way I can confirm this, but my inclination is that it was um, getting energy from the sun to refuel itself. Wow. Yeah. 
There's another uh, picture that's in the book, and it it kind of has the structure of um, like a, a silver flute. You know how a flute has all those little intricate things on it, all the the keys. Yes. And this thing stretches out like a um, extension, not an extension cord, an extension rod. The length of it is longer than the width of the sun. Now imagine that. I mean, wow. the things that the things that we've discovered are just mind-boggling. They're beyond what we really can comprehend, and uh, that's another one of the phenomenal pictures of something really strange seen near the sun. Wow! Well, the ships Somebody... that they find out there is some of them are so big, they are like small planets, or sometimes yes. probably big planets. And the people that is there, or the entities that is there, they get born there, they live all their life on the ship, and they die there. They just never set foot on a on a dirt planet at all. They just all live there their whole life. Um, back to Charles Hall with the tall whites out in Nellis Air Force Base. Uh, the the one he refers to as the captain of the tall whites. His daughter was born here on Earth during the time of, I think it was President Madison. So their life expectancy is much longer than ours. And uh, it goes into hundreds of years instead of just a meager hundred. Oh, <laughs> meager hundred. <laughs> so she's never Some... been back to her home. She's never been back to their home planet. So they're, like you said, it would be similar to people being born on those uh, cruising planets and uh, are closing, you know, ships, whatever you want to call them. That's kind of cute, because if she was born here, that makes her a United States a US citizen. citizen, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, there, that would be fun to kind of push on, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, God. And then there is this video, and... Um, it is. Uh, I don't know where it is now. It may be still on YouTube, but there is a video that is taken uh, out of the cab of uh, one of the space shuttles going into the cargo bay. And there's three astronauts out there. Two of them regular okay. size. All right. What you're talking about? What you're talking about is um, Clark McClellan. And Clark, <laughs> and Clark McClellan. Uh, was an astronaut with NASA. He's not one that flew in space. He was uh, he 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 was trained to be a complete astronaut, but he worked at Mission Control. So when he was there, if something went wrong out in space, he would have the wherewithal to try to fix things as much as possible from Mission Control at Kennedy Space Center. And he was at Mission Control on one of the missions. And on one of the monitors, he saw a tall alien in a spacesuit, probably about eight feet tall, and two American astronauts in their spacesuits out in the open cargo bay of the space shuttle. And just beyond it was the ship anchored at the end of that that um, um, the uh, ET had come in, to, uh, come arrived with or arrived on. And I, I'm pretty sure that's what you're thinking about. Yeah, that's about. Four and it wasn't five a photo. Ago. It wasn't a photo because uh, uh, he he really was quite good at illustrating, and he uh, did the best he could to draw it. And then he had a professional artist finish it off, so it would look as real as possible. Uh, but he got in trouble because he, uh, like I'm sure the three of us, uh, believes that the public has a right to know more than we're being allowed to know, and he talked too much, and he. After I think it was more than thirty years with NASA, uh, he lost all of his benefits. Uh, he lost his job. He was blackballed, so they couldn't get another job. And um, he died just a year or so ago. And his I think his last job, and this is secondhand information, was that he was a bus driver. And so that's another thing they can do when you talk too much. Yep. Mm -hmm. I saw that video. It looked like that third astronaut was about eight or nine foot long. Right, so right. It, it and there was, was another time when an interior camera in the um, space station itself captured one of uh, a tall ET like that inside the compartment where, uh, you know, and 
he had to have been crunched down because they designed that uh, uh, International Space Station for people that are no more than six feet tall. So he would have been really crunched down. But that apparently showed up on one of the uh, monitoring screens also. Yeah. Wow. We live in a sci-fi world. I mean, we do. We really, really do. We do. We do. I, I'm with you, though. I think I think it's time for us to, to have more information. It's time. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And we are programs like yours, uh, websites like mine, uh, many, many websites, many, many books uh, at a very grassroots level. This information is getting out there. It is. And our government will only reveal what they're forced to reveal. In my opinion. Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. Can we migrate to a little more earthly subject? I know you write extensively on your website about the Shroud of Turin. Um, actually, let me see. Let me see here. Let me think. A controversy around that one, but there is some evidence to the fact that yes, it is real. Um. At the last minute, over uh, the weekend before Easter, I decided to put something on the website—not the website, on the Facebook page. On the Facebook page, and the title I gave it was "A Botanist, Adhesive Tape, and a Weed Helped Authenticate the Shroud of Turin." And basically, there was this uh, uh, man who worked on the research involving the shroud, who was a criminologist and a botanist, and. He found that the uh, burial cloth of, or the, of Jesus was covered with a large amount of debris. About 10% of the total weight, he said, was debris. So he used adhesive tape as his tool, and he lifted the, the debris off the, the, the cloth, and then he analyzed it. And he concluded that 75% of the debris on the shroud was the remains of plants found in Palestine. But what really got his attention was when he found pollen for uh, the tumbleweed thistle. And the reason it caught his attention is because it only blooms in and around Israel between March and May, which helps confirm the date of the crucifixion. Now, um, I've covered some of this um, information in a book I've done, which I don't think we've ever talked about. It's called Tangible Evidence of Jesus. That's the short title. Long title is Tangible Evidence of Jesus Left Behind for Us to Find. And um, when I posted that on the website, uh, on the Facebook page, I'm getting confused here, I got a very interesting response from a woman. And I will read it to you because it generated some other things. And she said, quote, I have been interested in the Shroud of Turin since 1979 when working for one of the largest photographic labs on the East Coast in Philadelphia. I was employed as a photo restoration artist. The company, Ben, Barry, and Homer, received the contract to reproduce photos of the Shroud for its members in the Shroud of Turin project. Um, she said, continues to say, I had never seen such detailed photos and was convinced the image was a miracle since its most significant details were in the negative image. You can't fake that. Now, this is, I have to read more of it because this is where it gets more involved. She said, since then, I have watched some of the most informative videos on YouTube in scientific analysis of the 200-year-old textile. Using the most sophisticated techniques in spectral light, scanned imaging, 3D mapping in the last few years, the most extraordinary, extraordinary artifacts on the human figure itself are shown. A necklace, a girdle of a rabbi, a floral wreath placed on the head before burial. Okay, I posted her um, commentary uh, on our website after that, and we got a response from, um, let's see, what was his name, Barry? Schwartz, anyhow, he was one of the original researchers on um, the Shroud. And he, I've got his letter printed on the website. I'm not going to read it because I've already read enough to you. But he basically said that that has been so thoroughly 
investigated. Uh, and he said that there are people who are coming up with these things, that there's more to the shroud than they have found. And uh, so it's interesting that uh, he responded to this uh, woman's uh, comment. Yeah. So there's um, there's a question just to kind of go back. Do you want to say something about this, Augie? No, no, you go ahead. Okay. There's a question in the chat room a little bit off the path that we're on now. Um, Emperor Emperor Rex says, um, is the alien video of 1964 legit? And if the government knew this, why are we headed that way? Nuclear war in 50 years from them? 50 yes from them. Not sure. Not sure about that last part. Can you specify what movie you're referencing? I don't know. We have to remember that there's psychopaths that's running the show at the it's top of government levels. So you, they are unpredictable. Where the, they think of their own demise, I don't know. They think they're invincible, probably. I don't know. I'm just yeah. Busy. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that. I'm sorry. It's okay. I asked. I asked him to um, specify the movie. I'm not. I'm not sure which movie he's referencing, unless the movie's name is 1964. I don't think so. Mm. If it is, it's I okay. don't know about it. I'm not. I'm not sure either. Okay. No. All right. That's okay. All right. Okay, I'll I'll do another li little bit more with the shroud, just a tiny bit. Yes. The the man who responded was Barry Schwartz, and he was the official documentary, uh, you know, photographic documenter uh, for the Shroud Research Project. And I'll just read the first sentence of his letter. Uh, this is another case of claims being made that are not supported by any scientific data. After 120 years of intense study, I am always suspect of claims being made about secondary images on the shroud that no one has ever seen before. Um, this is now the most studied artifact in history, and every square centimeter of that cloth has undergone intense scrutiny. If any of these secondary images were actually there, they would have been discovered long ago. So I, I found it amazing that he, he responded to that lady's comments. Yeah. So okay, guys, I can... Go ahead. Go ahead. We're done no, with the shroud. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So I'm, I can clarify now. That was my fault. I inserted the word movie. It was the alien interview video in 1964. That's what that was. Um. I remember seeing that. I would yeah. have to go back and look at research yeah. that I've done before to answer that correctly. I've, I've seen a sure. lot of stuff. Yeah. But without that. having updated information, oh. I better not say anything. Yeah. Sorry. Well, that's okay. Marius asks, are the benevolent is she ones... Ask, is she going to ask me an easier question? Yes, this is better. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is better for you. Are the are the benevolent ones here mostly guiding humankind with unifying? I would Bringing say us yes. Together? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I would say so. I mean, they're the ones that are truly benevolent want the best for the planet and they want the best for humankind. And um, so, if you're dealing with the benevolent ones, they're going to be doing the right thing. Yeah, that's nice. I'm ready for the right thing to happen. All right. I have the impression also that we know that uh, the benevolent ETs, they have our best interest at heart because they want us to grow and join the galactic community. So does the reptilian and the ones that don't necessarily want to 
want us to grow because they think they're right too. It's just that they want a more structured society with more of a lockdown control so they can maintain peace, what they call. And their kind of society where peace and, uh, I guess, communism, if you like, it is their way of it, and they don't think they're doing anything wrong either, some of them, just by wanting that kind of society for us. Am I? Is that something that could be relevant? I've heard similar things, but they, like the reptilians, have done some terrible, terrible things, so I, I, I'm not quick to give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, yeah, we hear the... Stuff yeah, like like through. like Earth is like Earth is a farm where they like we treat cattle. Mm -hmm. You hear yeah. those stories too, and you hear that from multiple situations. And um, I, I didn't hear that. But I also oh. see on the uh, in the back to the shroud of Turin again. That oh, person that was wrapped in that shroud, it was a very tall person. And uh, approaching about six feet or so, and also there were a um, a C14 method dating of it that was done quite a long time ago, and they found that it was about fifteen hundred years or so old. I okay, think. Okay, that's. I'm going to jump right in here. That has caused so much confusion about the shroud, and mm -hmm. back in the Middle Ages, um, well, the the shroud used to be kept in a silver box or of some kind and there was a fire in turin where it was being held and it melted the box and it singed the shroud the nuns there they went in and they repaired it they they put other material in there and they they on the edges we're just talking the edges because they clipped the outside edge so the reading uh carbon dating was wrong for two reasons. One, all that smoke and fire had uh, infiltrated the outer edges of that. And they had also put in um, along the edges some uh, backing material that obviously was from that time period, from the Middle Ages. And so for an awful long time, the shroud was dismissed as a fake that was done in the Middle Ages. And there's been tons of research by really, really good sources um, that, um, you know, when they go back and they take a sample from some other part of the shroud, it goes back to the date of when Christ would have been alive. Yeah, and I think that the later dating, that is done by a more accurate equipment. So that Absolutely. should be Absolutely. And, and let me rattle off a, a couple of things, because when you when I say that experts have examined this, I'm going to rattle off some of them. They've had scientific experts from the Los Alamos National Scientific Laboratory, that's number one, from NASA, from the Sandia Laboratories, from the U.S. Air Force Weapons Laboratories, from the Brooks Institute of Photography, and from world-respected universities in the United States, Europe, and the Middle East. Scientists from all those areas and more have uh, confirmed uh, the reality of the, the shroud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then they were done some uh, DNA sampling, and much of it was actually too old. It was, you know, kind of damaged, but they found some DNA sections that they could backdate, and they see that there were, what was it, uh, A, B blood type? Now, that that's still, for me, is still a controversy. And it, he had, um, it supposedly, according to some sources, um, it was a type of blood that really is very, what is it, A? I, I can't remember either. Seems like it's AB. Something that isn't real common. And it is most common in the very area where Jesus was from. However, in that letter from Barry Schwartz, uh, he said the blood was so um, denigrated that they could not have possibly have um, um, determined that. So I do not know. Yeah. 
here's a, here's a fun. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nope, I'm changing changing the topic. So you go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. This is this. Um, Adrian says, um, if you were an ET, Mary, <laughs> what oh, would you do? What would what would you do about the upcoming event? Anything? <laughs> That's cute. I like what that. comes to what comes to mind is we have heard for decades about the uh, what is, what's it called the Federation of Planets or the Federation what's the what's the real name for it that they call it the Galactic Federation Intergalactic Federation of Planets or something like that that's been going on for a long time and I suspect that anything that any ET could do would have to be going through um, an organized plan plan with something like that. I don't think Mary Joyce as an ET could by herself do very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never know, though. You may have you know, Well, you never do know, right? You That's never right. do know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could be influence. And so, uh, now you wrote a book where you talk about the shroud very extensively. W- w- what's the name of that book again? The short title is Tangible Evidence of Jesus. The long title, Tangible mm-hmm. Evidence of Jesus Left Behind for Us to Find. And there's other evidence. Of, uh, I'll just give you one example. Uh, they found the uh, the dirt debris, the dust and it's the kind of dust that is found. It's a particular kind of st- um, stone, which I cannot recall off the top of my head, uh, that's only found in that part of uh, the world, in that particular area where Jesus' tomb was. And debris of that kind is in the shroud. So that's another uh, evidence mm-hmm. of that. Well, about the about the shroud, Zippity asked, "How can fabric last two two thousand years?" Um, they still have the material from um, Egyptians that they have found that's still intact. So that would be my answer. That, and yeah, it's also it, if it's kept in uh, dry, it's kept in perfect um, conditions now. In fact, it rarely goes on display because even though it has. I think it's um, sun protective glass in front of it. Um, the radiation can still get through. And so they will not keep that on permanent public display for that reason. So enormous efforts have been done to preserve it. But again, we have material from the time of Egypt that's still intact. And um, if that material was for quite some time in the Middle East, it's very dry. That helps preserve it also. Um, if you had it in the rainy part of the world, it probably uh, it would have been long gone. Yes, yes, good point. You know, th- there's a lot of people running around and saying that uh, Jesus never existed, but there is enough written non-biblical material written about the Messiah and him, so we no, he existed. In fact, there is one document that I read decades ago. I got my hands on that slipped through the cracks from the uh, from the the um, Dead Sea Scrolls, the Qumran Scrolls, and in there they explain what he looks like. It does say that he was tall. He was strong. And they didn't use necessarily colors of names as we have now, but they said his hair was of the ripe field of grain. And That's his a pretty eyes good description. As, yeah. And as his eyes as the midday sky. So right. that tells us that he had somewhat bluish sky and more like blonde, maybe brownish hair. That is not a Jew, but it was a, an Israelite. There, those are two different concepts. So, uh, yes, he did exist because this one came out of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And by the way, did you know that about 40% of the Dead Sea Scrolls are still classified by the Israeli government? They don't let anybody read it. I did not know that. That's kind of strange, isn't it? Maybe there's something that they're holding back on us. They don't want us to know. 
Wow. I did not know that. That's very interesting. Yeah. Of course, I'm not going to be able to solve it, but it's still very interesting. <laughs> so. Oh, gosh, we're running short of time here. Talk about we your are. books and people can get a hold right. of you. Let me, first of all, uh, we talked about the big event, uh, and it's a video that um, uh, Linda Moulton Howe has done. If you go to my website, skyshipsovercashers.com, and cashers is spelled like a cashier at the grocery store, skyshipsovercashers.com, on the homepage right now, uh, the most recent article is at the very top. It's called ETs foresee imminent big event on Earth. So if you just go there and click on there, uh, there's a link that goes right to Linda's video. And some of the other things that we've been referring to are still in the uh, column on the right-hand side uh, of the homepage. So you can, a lot of times I don't speak as well as I write, so you can check out some of these things. I know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just listened to myself on a, a show I was on recently. I could not believe I, I had the date totally wrong on something that was significant. And where it was popping into my head during that interview, I have no idea. So trust what I write more than what I say. Because <laughs> I have to double check when I write things. Yeah. You just became a member of my club. <laughs> oh, I, do, I don't know if I like this club. <laughs> not because of you, but because of not remembering right. Jeez. I know. I, I have the I answer have, for that. I have all of my books are available on Amazon. Uh, real quick, uh, if you go to Editor's Corner on that same home page, uh, at the very top, you can click on my books, and it'll take you right to the section where there's a brief description of each of the five books. And there's one on Bigfoot. There's one on Cherokee Little People. There's the one on Jesus. Uh, there's one on The Spy in the Sky. And am I going to go blank on what the other one? Oh, yeah, Underground Bases Hidden in North Carolina Mountains. So there's five books, and Editor's Corner has brief descriptions of all of those at skyshipsovercashers.com. Awesome. That's so awesome. Thank you, Thank what is you so much, Mary. You? It's always a pleasure to talk with you, too. And I like your attitude about the world, and I hope you continue to try to make it better. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to say goodnight to everybody in the chat room. There was some great conversation that went on in there. Everybody loves you, Mary. Everybody that spoke up absolutely loves your work. Thank you so much. Augie, we'll see you next week. Mac, thank you so much. Good night, everybody.